that lets you save the... Look here. True form life. Green look on All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being with us today and checking out another show. I always appreciate everything you do to be a part of the show and be a part of our True Form Life community. Now, today I have Noel Darcy online today. He's going to he's gonna come in. He's going to do an interview. Now, if you've been listening to some of my past shows, some of the past shows, whether it's on the radio or through podcast, you know I've been mentioning Noel quite a bit. This is kind of a a big kind of deal for me as training Noel going through this for, for quite some time. We've been working together and then all the all the difficult training Noel has been doing. So I'm so excited to have him on the air and to have him share his story with you. So I'm going to introduce him in a moment. Just before we get into this show, I'd like to mention MAK Mystic Expressions. Now this is a Himalayan salt company. They specialize in pink salt. Now they have salt cutting boards, they have salt lamps, salt shakers, all kinds of different things to help you improve your life through salt. So one of my favorite things is salt lamps. So I have them, one in every room. I really think it helps naturally uh, set the room at ease. And there's all kinds of health benefits to Himalayan salt products. So check them out at makmysticexpressions.com. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Okay, Noel. Now, I, I just got to gotta welcome you to the show because I really have been talking about you and about your race for the last little bit, and I'm so excited for our listeners to have a chance to, to get to meet you. I feel like I know them, but, you, but they don't know you, so... Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So you just got through this death race. Now, yes, <laughs> this death race was 125 <laughs> kilometers that you completed in 20 hours. Yes, that is correct. How you feel? How you feeling about that? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty accomplished. Um, it's something I never. If you'd asked me four or five years ago, would I've ever done this? I would have said, no, you're nuts. <laughs> now, tell me about, so this death race, this is something that, I was just looking at some of the st- statistics from last year, and it looked like a good majority of people that set out to do this race don't actually finish it. Would you have any, I, I would guess 75%, do you know? What, yeah, that would be right around the figure. Um, for instance, this year, um just by looking at the results myself, there was 371, or sorry, tr- yeah, 361 uh, registered and uh, close to started as well, and 120 of the 371 finished, so approximately. Okay, so a third finished, it's only 33%, so I was close. <laughs> it was, you were pretty close. <laughs> okay, wow, that's crazy. So now how, do, how do you feel being one of the... Less, what is that? Thirty-three percent less than that was able yeah. to complete it. Does um, that does that mean something to you? It means a lot to me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> there was times where I thought that I was going to be in that statistic that doesn't finish, but uh, 
yeah, I was the happiest person ever to come over that finish line. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I saw a picture of you after the finish line and yeah. you had this big smile on your face. And I got to <laughs> tell you, if I were to finish tw- 20 hours of straight running, I would be in the fetal position <laughs> hoping someone would carry me the rest of the way. Um, yeah, don't don't let that picture fool you. I was actually in a lot of pain, um, but I, I I don't know, maybe I was just drugged up on salt tabs or something but yeah i was definitely hurting but happy at the same time so okay so give our listeners a chance to understand what the death race is before i want to i want to get back when after we talk about what the death race is we'll go back and talk about you approaching me and beginning the training stage but for those listeners like myself before you approached me with this idea i didn't know what the death race is so maybe you could explain it a little bit yeah, it's uh, it's a race that began back in the year 2000, um, and it's in Grand Cache, just about two hours south of Grand Prairie. Um, so from where I'm living in Olds, it's about a six-hour drive. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's it kind of started out as a very grassroots, small-town kind of race, um, but it has developed into one of the toughest uh, trail races in Western Canada. So, yeah, it's uh, 125 kilometers, summits three mountains along the way, 17,000 feet of elevation change. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's considered an extreme race. Uh, a lot of people just do it on teams. And then there's a few nutty people that do it solo, uh, <laughs> such as myself. And, uh, yeah, um, I did it for the first time this year. Um, I have been to Grand Cash several times and to watch the race um and last year i ran on a team and when i ran on the team last year that's a few weeks later that's kind of when i decided that yeah i was going to give it a shot on my own so so there's there four there were five legs of this race five legs of the race yeah they're all split up uh the first leg is 19 kilometers uh second leg i believe is 27 kilometers the third leg is 19 kilometers. Um, these are approximate. I'm not entirely sure of the numbers, but uh, the fourth leg, which is the longest leg, I believe, is about 38 kilometers. And then the final leg is somewhere around 23, 24 kilometers. So. Okay, now, when you what's going <laughs> what's going through your mind when you're like, hey, I'm going to run this whole thing myself. honestly i just i looked at it as something that probably a very small percentage of the world have ever done um and i kind of wanted to get myself into that small percentage but at the same time there i had a lot of self-doubt uh moving moving into it um and it wasn't just it's not all just straight running training it's you know it kind of the strength training played a big part in it. Um, but going back to what I was thinking, I was just looking at it as a bucket list accomplishment to say I've done it. And uh, I like how you said that, that there's doubt in your mind because I like to talk about goals and yep. setting and achieving. And for you to set such a you know, set the bar so high for yourself. Now, mm-hmm. when I think we don't always set goals properly. So many times we set a goal that we know we can accomplish, which I don't consider a goal. So then we procrastinate, we don't work as hard and you're not putting as much effort in 
to this goal because you know you can accomplish anyway it anyway so i always say if you're really if, if it's a real goal if you're really going to push yourself there needs to be some kind of doubt in your mind of course you have to believe in yourself without a doubt there's no way you would have made it through that race without believing in yourself but there needs to be some doubt to push you forward to get to that next level what was that doubt like training and then actually in the race well in training like even like when i'm training with other people and if i'm having a bad day of training like running up a mountain like for instance i did a lot of my training out around the brag creek area um like running up moose mountain and stuff like that and i i ran with uh people i also consider friends that i train with and if i was having a bad day and they're having you know they're like running way better than me and running ahead of me i'm kind of thinking to myself well, maybe i'm not ready you know and there's i've had lots of moments like that in the last six months um where i've been just waking up in the morning and i'm like i'm just drained of energy i just don't think i can do this today and i get out there and i do it i feel good after i've got it done but it you know it's it can be quite miserable while you're doing it, it i had lots of doubts So So let's talk about your training schedule because your training schedule was some of the most extreme types that I've been around and I've been around professional athletes. I've been around Olympic athletes or Olympians and you know what you were doing it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) so just the extent your long runs and then your we'll get into some of of our training together in the gym but what you were doing for your long runs and then you have a full-time job. I mean, yeah. can you talk about, tell, give our, our listeners a chance to understand what that's like because I don't think everyone knows what, what it would be like to go through what you did for training-wise. Well, with having the full-time job and stuff like that, a lot of my training is very early in the morning if it's on a weekday. And then pretty much I had no real, I had no real family life over the weekend, just due to spending so much time running in the mountains and stuff like that and it was just a pretty hectic schedule like i would get up at like 4 a.m on a saturday morning to be at uh to be out in brad creek for 6 a.m uh to meet uh some of my training partners and uh yeah it was just until about noon one o'clock i'm running and then i get back to the car and then it's drive back and then pretty much like it's still only in the afternoon but i'm just so exhausted from training that i'm just spending the rest of the day recovering and you know so so give our listeners a chance to understand how long you're running for and what your weekly schedule looked like so you had a long run you had a shorter run yeah um it varied like week to week uh some weeks you kind of had to pull back to let your body have a bit of a recovery period um but to go into my longest training weeks we were probably upper around 130 to 140k a week um and yeah and then you know a short week would have been considered 80k which you know i consider long but that's in training for that that's that's considered a short week short week of uh not so much training but you know so give me an example of how long one run would be um on a saturday morning uh just for example uh we would go and do a marathon in uh (laughs) yeah so it'd be we'd be talking 42 kilometers and actually one particular saturday we ended up uh 
getting lost out there. So we had only planned on, I think, 34, 35 kilometers. And we ended up doing, I think, upwards of 46 that day. And, uh, yeah, we only brought enough food for 35, 36 kilometers. So the last 10 kilometers of that was pretty miserable. And, yeah, um, I was drinking creek water and uh, hoping that I wasn't going to starve to death on the side of the highway. Oh, my so, gosh, that's crazy, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you got to be a little crazy to do something like this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I... I'd like to think I'm not that crazy, but yeah, it's, uh, you certainly have to, you have to have a certain mentality for sure to do it. People say it's kind of beyond the common man. I'm, I consider myself the common man and I don't think it's beyond the common man, um, or woman for that, for that matter. Um, yeah, I like what you say there just because, you know, so many times we think that in that, I mean, you, I mean, you're so humble with what you do and like the things that you put yourself through and the distances you've run. It's, uh, you know, I consider it superhuman, to be honest with you, <laughs> to go put yourself through that extreme. And then the next day you get up and do it again. And I think that when, when we set goals, you know, the average person, we think that you have to be a certain type of person to set big goals and you have to yeah. be a certain kind of person to, you know, get through these kind of accomplishments. But it's regular people are doing extraordinary things all the time. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're proving. I mean, you put yourself through a whole lot of pain and sacrifice and dedication. Yeah. But as a, you know, as a regular person, anyone could do this too if they put their mind to it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's uh, when, I, when, I was start, when I was standing at the start line, I was looking around at people around me. And I'm like, there's all age groups, all body shapes and sizes. And... You know, they're whether they, in my opinion, the fact that they're even at the finish line, I think it takes a lot of guts just to be at, or sorry, at the start line, I meant to say. It takes a lot of guts to get to that point and actually start the race. And whatever happens after that, you know, it, it's, it's whatever's going to happen on the day. It might not be due to lack of training. It might be just what Mother Nature throws at you with weather and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, definitely something i don't think it's beyond the common person and it's you know it's a lot of commitment but i think it's definitely an achievable goal so just real quick here to go back to our last point my last point we you talked about a longer training day tell me about a shorter training day because a shorter training day or a shorter run for example would be most people it's long run (laughs) (laughs) typically like like most of my short training runs were on a tuesday and a thursday and uh, on a Tuesday, typically I would do about 13 kilometers, and on Thursday I'd do about 15 kilometers. Okay. And they were kind of my shorter runs, and then like after that long run on a Saturday, I would do like a short four or five k run on a Sunday just to kind of shake the lead and you know burn up the lactic acid that's kind of pooling in my legs from the day before. So yeah, okay. That's kind of the training schedule was, and then of course. The strength training with you in the gym and you know doing all that that's kind of a big part in it too so yeah it was a pretty hectic schedule okay we'll, we'll get in there we gotta take a, a short break here i'm gonna mention my sponsors but when we come back i want to get into more details about 
the race. I want you to take us to the race. Take us what it's like. You're running in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm scared <laughs> for you. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I want to get into more details of what it's like mentally challenging physically as well. So stay right there. Yep. All right. So just a quick word from our sponsor. We have AG Foods in Didsbury. They've been with us. With, we, excuse me. They've been with us for a long time. They're a longtime sponsor, and they're really doing a good job to bring more organic foods to the area. They're bringing healthier choices. They have gluten-free options. So it's an absolute pleasure to have AG Foods with us long term. We have Health Street, who's a big supporter of you know everything i do it's it's such a pleasure to have them with us rick rick's the owner he's been on the show a number of times and they carry my products as well so it's so cool to have health street with us they're doing all kinds of good things for the community and then we have shoppers drug martin olds as well again another longtime sponsor and i really appreciate them you know being with us and being a part of us and it's a pleasure working with them for an extended period of time as well so if you're local in the area please support our sponsors and show them that you appreciate them bringing this show to you. All right, Noel. So now I want to get into some details about the the race. Now we'll talk about real just briefly here. I mean, I've put I put I've talked about this a number of times, but I put you through some extreme workouts in the gym. Now before you started training this race, how long do you know how long we trained for? Was it close to a year? It was just under a year because uh, I believe we started. Our strength training probably in October or November of last year. Okay, that's what I that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was right up to the like a month before the race. We were training once once or twice a week sometimes. Yeah. So now I was putting you through. I was putting you through some challenging workouts, and uh, you know we had a good time. We, We would joke back and forth, but I would push you to the limit. You know, time and time again, and you wouldn't you wouldn't quit, <laughs> which bugged me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to break me. <laughs> so I made the workouts a little bit harder, and you still wouldn't quit. So, uh, what, what was? And now you didn't train. You ran. You've been running for a while. How long have you ran? Like how, how long? I pro- the first race I ever did was in September. No, sorry, July of two thousand and twelve, I believe. Okay. And uh, yeah, like I, my first race ever was a 10k road race in uh, in Calgary, and yeah, it kind of took off from there. I did really well in that first race, and I probably did a race every month after that. And I got hooked, and I was always training towards something, whether it be a 10k or a half marathon or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all began. You know, it's it, interesting. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt there. We didn't get into why you started, to, you know, started to run. Why don't you share with our listeners your life, maybe your lifestyle a little bit before? <laughs> yes. And now got, you're now you've finished this death race. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I had a street, extremely unhealthy lifestyle uh, beforehand. Um, I was the king of processed foods, is what I like to call myself. Uh, yeah, um, literally just like TV dinners, stuff like that didn't work out. I was always drained of energy. Um, what made me realize one day was I was working uh, in downtown Calgary and I was just going up the stairs of a building in a, in a high-rise building downtown and I got to the top of the stairs and I was just like gassed and out of breath. And uh, I'm like, this is not right for me at like 26 years old to be out of energy like this and uh yeah i just 
slowly started running uh, in the mornings before work. Uh, we take you know, we started out doing two, three kilometers, kind of advanced to five, and then advanced to ten, and so on. And then within six months, I probably dropped about thirty-five, forty pounds, and yeah, um, I was feeling much better. Um, I was more fresh fruit, more vegetables, um, getting away from TV dinners and pizzas and all the other good stuff. I mean, it was, uh, I think it's good in moderation, but not the way I was doing it, you know, every meal. So yeah, it was, uh, that's kind of how I got started in all this craziness. Okay. So you were running for at least three years before you, before you decided to start? Yes. Um, I like when my first run was in 2012 and then my first marathon was in Calgary in in uh, 2013 which would have been around the end of May so yeah uh, it wasn't long before I started doing marathons and then um, advanced up to a 50k and then up to the point up to the point where I was waiting to do that race, uh, the longest distance I had ever done was about 67 kilometers. So yeah, it was a, it was <laughs> a big jump. <laughs> Only 67. Okay. So I want to, I want our listeners to get a chance to experience what it's like to be in this death race. So now yeah. you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're ready, you're packed up and are you get tell us, walk us up to the fin, uh, the start line as you're a little nervous, I'd imagine. Are you nervous getting up there? Yes, I was, and uh, I had like during the race you have to have a support crew. So I, I had my fiance and one of my good friends in, uh, from Calgary uh, volunteered to come up and help out, and also uh, a guy I've been working with in Calgary too to kind of advise me on the whole running side of it and just pacing and what whatnot. He was there as well, and he kind of you know told me just relax and you know just. Try not to pay attention to all the stuff going on around me because there was just there was hundreds of people. I got to the start line. Oh, I had butterflies in my stomach. Uh, yeah, it was a case I couldn't like. I ate I ate my breakfast at six a.m. that morning, and the race was at eight. And yeah, I was kind of glad that the breakfast actually stayed down because my stomach was so upset. <laughs> um, but, okay. Yeah. So- take us through the first leg uh they how do they know you know what i always kind of wonder i suppose it, it's different in each race but how do they how do you know where you stand when um, so many people lined up yeah so you like you just literally they've got a like a timing chip that is uh in most races it's it's like a strip that's on your bib but in this case they had like a timing chip that's actually a ring that goes on your finger and when you your official you have your gun time and then you have your chip time so your gun time is the time that starts from when the gun goes off um and your chip time is at your actual time for when you cross that start line so even if you're way back at the back your time does not start until you cross that line okay so it's uh it kind of you know it's impossible to have everyone cross the line at the same time and you know it's uh just not possible so okay so now we're, we're getting into the race you take us through the first leg what's that like are you feeling good you're off to the races it's finally happening yeah so they kind of have this little bit of a ceremony at the beginning of the race where 
you actually take off running, but they kind of parade you just around town a little bit, and then you cross the line. Um, it's kind of just more like a ceremony. Um, so you cross the line, and you're in town for a little bit until you actually get to the trail. And immediately when you get onto the trail, it just goes into Broken Rock and a climb. And it's a climb for a little bit. Like, leg one is considered the easiest leg. Um, it flattens out. There were some swampy areas where... You know, if you took a wrong step, you were leaving your shoes behind you. Um, yeah, there was, like, areas like that along the way. Um, there was probably two really extreme climbs. And it's really crowded on the first leg because everyone's fresh on the first leg. And everyone, you know, everyone's taken off together. The, the herd starts to thin out a bit after, you know, after a few kilometers. So it's kind of, you know, the really, really fast runners that are out there to win it are like right up at the front and they're just trying to stay ahead of the crowd because they don't want to get, you know, sidetracked trying to weave through people. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. And it, 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 the first leg, it's challenging. It's, uh, 19 kilometers and it's, uh, goes through like the main, the main challenge in that one for me was the swampy terrain. It was, I got through that came out of the swamp with my shoes still on and uh yeah i got to the first transition and that's kind of the first leg was kind of uneventful otherwise so you get what happens when you get to your transition you have your support team there waiting for you yes so on the first leg i didn't carry any uh water pack on my back i just carried a bottle in my hand because it, if you can do if you can manage to go without a bottle for as look as, as a water pack as much as possible it kind of makes it makes it a bit easier so um so i just had the water bottle and then when i got to the transition you have the timing chip on your finger you have to uh touch it off a machine and it beeps twice and then you go through the transition and you meet your support crew so on the at the first uh transition um my fiance and uh my friend were there waiting for me uh with my pack and literally Took the pack, put it on my shoulders as I zipped it up. They were putting sunscreen on me as as I was zipping it up. Um, it was kind of like a NASCAR pit stop. <laughs> Just had to do a spot check to make sure I had everything, electrolytes, etc., salt tabs. And, yeah, I nearly took off and nearly forgot something. But uh, the gentleman I work with in Calgary, Charles, uh, uh, put the brakes on. He's like, yep, you were forgetting something, and then... Straight away, it came to mind. I was forgetting my bottle of electrolyte uh, drink, so I'm like, "Yeah, I would have realized halfway into the race pretty quick that I had forgotten that." So, and how long? So, how long was this pit stop? This um, we the first one we tried to keep as short as possible, and, and there was no sitting uh, allowed on the first one. So, the first one probably I was under five minutes, not even. So. Probably four or four and a half minutes, maybe. All right. So after the first pit stop, you're, it was just a short break. You just get a. How long did that take you? How how long is that? How long does it take for you to get to that? Um, uh, to get to the first transition, it was about approximately an hour and forty minutes uh, for the nineteen kilometers. An so, hour and forty minutes. Okay. So you you have a quick pit stop, and then what? Now let's take us through the next leg. So yeah, the next leg you're kind of running along a railway line. Um, so you're kind of you can imagine how the terrain is there. Um, 
it goes along the railway line maybe for 500 meters and then you start straight into a long climb uh probably for about 10 kilometers uphill um it flattened out in little portions but it was kind of it was a big uh it's kind of like when the the race really started to get real for me because uh hill climbing is not one of my strong suits but um yeah it went into a 10k climb then kind of got to another plateau where you could actually drop your pack because it kind of went up and looped back around to the same point okay so it was like the final summit up to uh uh flood mountain and yeah impossible to run it was it turned it turned into a hike for about 10 minutes it was just not runnable um so steep so you're actually hiking at this point not running hiking at this point pretty much and i kind of glanced up a few times and it just looked like a, a human chain of people like in a along a trail climbing with their hands and their and their feet oh my gosh okay yeah. so how long does this leg take this is the second leg we're along how long does that take uh, the second leg in its entirety, uh, for me, took about four hours, um, and it's 27 kilometers. It just has a lot of uh, extreme, like the, the uphills are are bad, but the downhills are even worse. Um, I can remember coming down the downhills, I could just feel my quads were just screaming at me, no more. And uh, yeah, it's just... It goes, it goes straight up, straight down. There's very little flat. Um, there's a portion of the race that's called Slugfest. Um, and it's in that. It's kind of in that leg. Uh, it's on the way back down from the uh, Flood Mountain. And it's, uh, yeah, you're literally sliding on your backside down along. And you're holding on to branches, trees, twigs, whatever you can get your hands on to not go tumbling down the, the mountain. So, yeah. Okay, so so this takes four hours. Yeah, now, yeah. I, so you're well, about the, the, ex, the extreme athletes can probably do it a lot faster than that, but uh, yeah. Okay, so For, you're about five and a half hours in now. Yeah, we're well, five and a half hours in at this point. So uh, you hit your next transition. What does that look like? Uh, my next transition, it was starting to get hot so i think the heat was starting to get to me a little bit and one thing i didn't mention about uh leg two if i can just go back to it for a second was uh on the way up one of the on one of the climbs uh, my uh, my left quad locked up and i literally all of a sudden could not move my left leg and i kind of just sat on the mountain and i just i was trying to get it moving again and i couldn't get it moving and i'm like i'm thinking i'm done and uh just so happens that a friend of mine was uh running in the race on a relay team and he came along and he said what's wrong with me and i'm like well i can't move my leg and uh he's like well, what like what's wrong with you i'm like it's just totally locked up it just won't move my my left quad so He's like, you're going to realize how good of a friend I am for you right now. So I actually, he actually gave me a massage <laughs> on my left quad. On the mountain? Uh, on the side of a mountain, yes. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, long story short, we got it moving again, and I ran with him for a little bit. And it slowed me down because I was afraid of it flaring back up again. So I kind of treaded very carefully after that. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it uh, never came back to haunt me, fortunately. And uh, yeah, I owe my friend a, a big uh, favor there because... A big hug. A big hug. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have been joking about it since that, you know, uh, we will never forget him massaging me on the side of the mountain. So. Were people watching you? <laughs> um we we had to look around first to see if the coast was clear and uh no i don't think anybody saw us but uh the story was too good not to share with everyone so we uh we said okay well we'll just tell everyone what happened so that's kind of how it played out okay well let's speed let's uh, uh speed forward a little bit here so our listeners can get a chance to know what it's like to i wanted i really want to know the men- what it's like mentally now it's at some point it's dark it's it's getting dark it's got to be a little bit cooler i want to know what it's like to be that exhausted mm-hmm. and then it and in the dark i mean you have a headlamp on yeah. you're in the mountains yes. <laughs> in the dark and you've already been running for uh, how long you've been running for 10 hours you're running i gotta tell you this real quick i was i was following along of course i knew your race was coming we've been talking and yeah. And I got up and I ran and I was I usually run maybe 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't know if I ran. I, I said, I'm going to run 20 minutes today or 30 minutes, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> so I got a little boost of motivation. And I was like, and I was done. And I was like, well, nose just warming up. <laughs> <laughs> then I had lunch. I had lunch that day. And I was like, man, I was like, Noel's still running. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, dinner came and I was like, Noel is still running. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy to think that through that whole day you were just still running and i was doing all these little things little so yeah. anyways <laughs> yeah no it's it's uh, it's nuts to think about it and when i think back about it i'm like it's nuts as well but i i kind of during the whole race i didn't really think much about time um because i i think if i was watching the clock for that amount of time that i would just have driven me stir crazy mm-hmm. um and yeah, I just focus mainly on keeping up with electrolytes, carbo, carbs, um, protein uh, along the way. I mean, during the transitions, it it became like like you were saying, as it got into the dark, it got more difficult to uh, like at that point, difficult to dissolve food in my stomach too. Like anything I was putting down felt like it was going to come back up. So, what are you yeah. thinking about? Like, I've never ran. 20 hours i never don't really plan on it at this point in my life <laughs> what's going through your mind at this time like is it just one foot in front of the other what goes on up there uh it literally is one foot in front of the other um yeah and i'm just what i always tried to do was think forward to crossing the finish line whenever that would be um because i think that was the only thing that because if i had looked at my watch and see that i've only I'm only 50 kilometers in and I got another 75 to go. Um, that just really screws with your mind big time. Um, so I tried to not pay too much attention to my watch. I tried to even just chat with other runners when they did come along. It kind of took a lot of the, took a lot of the monotony out of, out of just running straight for that amount of time. Um, a lot of guys, I kind of just, I got to meet a lot of people during the race um, that I would chat to for, I think one guy I was running with for about an hour, and I think we were helping each other just chatting along the way because I think uh, 
we'd both been on our on our own for quite a while. Um, I would go periods of there was probably periods of two or three hours where I didn't see anybody except maybe the volunteers on the course. And uh, yeah, it was just trying to occupy my mind and at the same time trying think about oh well maybe I should have a couple of salt tabs here in about 10 minutes or maybe I should have some more carbs in a half hour so I was trying to work all that out in my head as I was going um now is there any time where you consciously know that your thoughts or I guess I suggest that your thoughts stop making sense or you start any kind of hallucination kind of things going on there yeah I think at about it was about 85 kilometers I I was, uh, it was just after getting dark and yeah, I was, uh, I was on a part of the race that's called the Ambler Loop and, uh, I got there, um, and my mind was starting to play some tricks on me. It was just, I'm just, my legs, I couldn't really feel them. I'm like thinking about, excuse me, thinking to myself, well, uh, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should give in, you know, maybe I'm not able to do this. And, uh, yeah, I, all I could think about at that point was just my legs, like the pain, my hands had swelled up, uh, from the elevation change. My feet had swelled up. Um, I felt like my feet were going to like burst out of my shoes. Um, I'd never got that before. Um, yeah. And, kind of just my my mindset was totally on the pain at that point and i was kind of in a dark place in my mind for sure what pushes you forward through at a time like that uh support um because actually as i was running i managed to get phone signal and i texted my fiance and i said yeah the legs are not doing good um and she texted back she's like you know you've you've worked too hard to get to this point so you're gonna finish it and kind of it was tough love. She kind of just said, you know, you just got to get your butt in gear and just get it done. So I got to the final transition, which was at about 102 kilometers, 103 kilometers approximately. And yeah, we, she splashed some water on my legs. Uh, ice cold water. It kind of made me feel like I had legs again. And uh, yeah, uh, we took my shoes off, changed my socks, kind of made me feel a bit fresher. I could see my feet were swelling up big time. Um, yeah, and it was uh, it was it was definitely I was in it was gut check time at that point. I knew I had one more leg to go, and uh, yeah, um, pretty much I kind of took my time on that transition. I had some soup, tried to stomach as much of it as I could. And uh, yeah, she kind of pushed me out of the transition. So, so you had about three hours left for your last leg. Uh, yeah, um, my last leg. Like just to give you a comparison, like last year I ran the last leg as part of a team, and I ran it in two hours. And this year, running it solo, I ran it in four hours. So definitely fresh. You can tell that my legs were a lot fresher last year. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Now, do you know, are you, are you saying like, I have three hours to go? I want to know what that's like mentally when you say to me, I'm like, man, three hours, <laughs> I'm not going to run three hours. And you're like, well, I've already ran, uh, how many, how many hours already? 
<laughs> yeah, at, at that point, I think when I came to that last transition, I was at about 16 hours. Um, and yeah, it was just, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm, I was well ahead of, uh, there's cutoffs for every leg in the race too, I forgot to mention earlier. So you have to be at a certain point, at a certain transition by a certain time, otherwise you're done. And I was always, despite like my legs killing me, I was always about two or three hours ahead of the cutoff times. So I wasn't really worrying on that front. Um, but what I was worrying was what I was thinking about. I knew in leg five, because I'd ran it last year, there was quite a bit of climbing in that too. So um, the fact that my legs were done and there was more climbing to come, it was not inspiring me with confidence. And uh, yeah, I... Uh, Got pushed out of the transition and took off, and yeah, um, leg five also has like a, has like a boat crossing. So the whole way during the race, I never really mentioned earlier. You have to carry a coin, and this coin is your ticket to get on that boat. And if you lose that coin, you're done. If you, you can get all, you can get all the way to the boat, but if you don't have that coin when you get to the boat, you're they're they're saying you're done. Wow. So yeah, so this coin, uh, a suggestion from the from my coach in uh, Calgary that has been helping me on the running side of things, he suggested uh, sewing the coin into my shorts. Um, so most running shorts have like a little small pouch on the back. So I put the coin in there and we sewed it right in. Um, so when I got to the boat, uh, there's actually a guy there dressed up as the Grim Reaper. Uh, yes wow <laughs> if there wasn't enough mental stuff going on there <laughs> yes so you have to get to the grim reaper and the grim reaper is the guy the guy who takes your coin and th like when you get on that boat that whole portion of the race when you're being boated across to the other side to connect to the trail is called hell's gates so um once you get through hell's gates you're on the you're on the final uh you're on about the final 15, 16K into town for the finish line. How did you get the sewed-out coin out of your shorts? <laughs> the plan was to just rip it off. Um, to be honest, like at that point, like someone said that to me, what if you can't rip it off? I'm like, well, at that point, I will be so miserable and I'll want to get it done. I'll probably give the guy my shorts, but uh, it didn't come to that, fortunately. Someone, <laughs> someone happened to have like a Swiss Army knife. And, uh, yeah, we cut the treads and I pulled the coin out and I handed it to him. Um, nice. I kind of, it was really a good idea cause I didn't really have to worry about the coin the whole race, uh, because you're supposed to carry it. And I found last year, even when I was doing it on a team, I was touching my pocket every two seconds to see if it's there. Um, cause there's a very good chance you can lose it with all the climbing and falling and sliding down hills and whatnot. So. So how long is this boat ride across to get to the last part of the trail? Uh, the boat ride, it only lasts probably a minute, two minutes at the most. Okay. It's, it's pretty short. Um, so it's constantly going back and forth. Yes. But they actually, when you get to the Grim Reaper, you check in your chime, time chip again. And it stops your time because uh, they like to get at least three or four people on the boat. So you kind of have to wait for some more runners to come along. Uh, what I did notice with a lot of other runners that were coming on the boat, they would not sit down because, uh, yeah, they were afraid they would never get back up again. Did uh, you sit down? I sat down, uh, probably against my better judgment, but I just felt, well, 
the opportunity to sit for a few minutes is too good to uh, turn down, so I sat. And I managed to get standing again. I climbed out of the boat like I was 120 years old. But, uh, yeah, I got out of the boat and got running again and chipped back in, and my time started again. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, straight into a steep uphill climb after the boat. And, yeah, my legs were... At this point, I was still in a very, very dark spot in my head. And I was like, you know, there's no... I knew at this point there was no quitting, but I'm like, am I going to crawl across that finish line or am I going to run across it? So <laughs> take us to the finish line. You know you're getting close. Is there lights? Is there... What's going yeah, on? Yes. So when you come back into town, you can see lights for about maybe six kilometers uh, coming. You kind of come in along a dirt road until you actually get to town. And yeah, it's... Uh, probably about 6k i could see lights i could even hear like this is 3 30 in the morning and there's actually still people in their patios in grand cash out watching the race they're all drinking beers cheering runners on and that's kind of one thing that kind of blew my mind i'm like well there's gonna be no one around when i get back there <laughs> but uh yeah there were still people out on their decks uh cheering on the runners and uh yeah i could hear that from quite a ways away and i'm like I knew that, uh, yeah, I was getting close. And actually, probably for the last uh, few kilometers, I got into a, I got into a bit of a sprint, and I kind of overtook a lot of guys along the way, and I kind of gave some words of encouragement along the way too, kind of just reminding everyone that, you know, we're nearly there. And, uh, yeah, I haven't really ever shared this with anyone, actually not even my fiancé, but... Uh, I was actually kind of just as I was coming back into town before I met anyone, I was kind of tearing up a little bit and uh, I was just kind of getting overcome with emotion. Um, and it's totally out of character for me, but uh, I just knew how monumental what I had done was. And uh, yeah, I, I'm like, well, by the time I get to the finish line, I got to stop. <laughs> and uh pull yourself together pull myself together yeah i just didn't want to be a broken mess and uh yeah the last kilometer that i ran to the finish line uh, actually was one of my fastest kilometers in the whole race um, wow. I came across the finish line looking good and, <laughs> yeah, <you> uh, did. <laughs> yeah um yeah and literally when i sat down uh is when i started to seize up and at that point, I didn't care. I didn't have I didn't have any further to run, but I knew it was going to hurt the day after. So, so what does I mean? What is the next day? We're going to wrap this up here, but I want to know what the next day looks like. You know, how, what kind of condition are you in? Now I heard you didn't. You told me you didn't lose any toenails, but I mean, for <laughs> running that long, there's all kinds of crazy things that that happen to people. What would you go? What are you going through there? Yeah, uh, for me, I was pretty fortunate actually because I've I've heard of lots of people losing, like I heard people are losing three toenails, four toenails, uh, just from the the downhill and the uphill. Um, the biggest issue for me, I like I had no blisters, um, which is something I thought I might have, um, but the biggest issue for me was swelling, uh, just from the elevation change from going up and down those mountains. Um, the biggest issue was that pretty much and uh yeah other than that the day after was just a very slow moving day um i still like i went i got to bed probably at 5 a.m 
went for a shower like before I went to bed. It was like the slowest shower I ever had just because I couldn't move very fast. And then when I did finally get to bed, I still woke up the morning after at 8 a.m., like bright-eyed, but um, I could not get back to sleep, so I went about my business all day. And then in the afternoon, probably about 4 or 5 o'clock, I went... I climbed into my trailer. I just told everyone I'm going for a half hour nap. And uh, yeah, 13 hours later, I woke up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you feel like it was a half hour nap? <laughs> uh, yes, it felt like I'd just gone to bed, but uh, I just went into such a deep sleep. And apparently I even got up and walked out, like halfway I got up, walked out of the trailer, went to the bathroom, walked back. Didn't even look at anyone and crawled straight back into bed. So I was literally sleepwalking <laughs> to the bathroom and back. And uh, they were just like, I, I just, I had to apologize to people the day after. I wasn't being antisocial. I just couldn't function. And I was just so spent that I, I didn't even, I don't even remember going to the bathroom that, that day to tell you the truth. So what yeah. is, now what what is your legs? I've been doing some different kind of workouts while I've been in away. Um mm-hmm. my legs have been super tired in different exercises, like crazy painful. Now <laughs> I certainly didn't run twenty hours. Tell me what kind of pain do you tell give our listeners a chance to there's gotta be some kind of could you could you walk? Could you sit down? <laughs> I could walk slowly um straight leg yeah more or less um <laughs> the biggest issue was uh like when i would sit down and i would try to stand up um and that lasted for about a day or two um and yeah it fortunately my recovery is getting faster and faster just due to nutrition and tr- due to the training regime you've put me through and just through all the stuff i've been doing with the, my running coach in calgary and uh yeah, I mean, it's if if I had done this four or five years ago before I had done all this training, I probably would be wouldn't be able to move for a month probably if I could even run that distance back then. But yeah, recovery recovery has actually been really good. Um, just like I would say, I've kind of been on a runner's high all week. I think my cortisone levels and stuff are kind of high from the race. Um, but yeah, I recovery's been good. I do I kinda when I think back to some parts of the race, I do kinda get a little emotional about it, just thinking about it. But uh yeah, it's uh recovery's been pretty good and I'm actually planning on my next venture pretty soon. So yeah, well yeah, tell us about that before we let you go here. What what's next? What's on what's next on your bucket list? What do you got going on? <laughs> so yeah, um I'm there's several races I'm contemplating. I mean uh, the the guy I work with in Calgary on the running side of things has suggested the Trans Rockies. Um, one I've kind of really got my eye on is uh, the Sinister Seven. And that is a trail race also in Crow's Nest Pass uh, down in the south part of the province. And that is 100 miles, which translates approximately into about 160 kilometers. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, over over seven legs uh so similar to that race um some people say that race is a little harder because of the elevations but i wanted to try out the sheer distance on this one to see if i can go the distance or not 
<laughs> you are a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> um, Noel, I want to let you get going. We've been on here for quite some time. Um, I just want to thank you for for everything. Like you've yeah. been such an inspiration for me to be able to train you and, and push you and, and work with you. And uh, to follow you along this little journey, it's inspired so many people. I know people that have uh, started there. I know someone, one of my clients, they're going to do part of the death race. Another one signed up for a, a triathlon. And it's because it's because of you. It's because of uh, the things that you've done and, and um, just the inspiration you shared. And I want to thank you personally for uh, bringing me along with you and for doing what you do. No, thank you, Drew, and uh, like I said, yeah, um, the regime you put me through, um, I would, don't think I would have finished this race without all that hard work on your part, too, so I do appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Noel. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll cut it off there. Perfect. Let me, uh, shoot. Uh, why don't you stay with me there? Sure. Stay with me. Hey, I, I pronounced your last name right. It's just Darcy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. That was by far our longest interview. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Noel, thanks for your interview. Thanks, listeners, for being here, for being part of our community and everything you do to contribute. Um, as you know, listeners, we're, I'm doing a little challenge. I'm looking for 20 reviews and ratings on iTunes. Those mean a lot, and I want to build this community. I want to grow it together. So I'd love for you to leave a rating and review and, and be a part of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading more out on the shows so you get a chance. And then you, have a, you also have an opportunity to join our 10-day fitness challenge if you'd like to check that out. Now it's going to be nothing to do with running 24 hours, <laughs> but we are going to. This is going to be – now in the past I said there's going to be 20 different exercises – or sorry, 10 different exercises. This is actually going to be – there's going to be 10 different workout – you know, every day you get a brand-new workout for 10 days. So we have private group support. And it's going to be, we got a, a ton of people excited to be a part of it already. So check that out at, at uh, trueformlife.com slash 10 day fitness challenge if you want to be a part of that. And once again, thank you for being here. And that's it. That's all I got. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>